Welcome back to the Showtime Forum, familia. This is episode 19 of the Showtime Forum podcast. I am your host, Ray Labarbon, along with GoldenEye GFX. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it good to be back? Yeah? Can you believe it's episode 19 already? <laughs> uh, uh, time to retire. Pretty much just wrap it up here. <laughs> well, I didn't hear anything you said, man. What was that? Oh, really? <laughs> I'll say, did it cut? I was saying it's time to retire. Pretty much uh, wrap it up here, and then that's it. I guess we're done for for showtime. Yeah, well, f- at least for this season, we'll be done like another episode or so. But um, obviously, we couldn't do it without any everybody that's out there listening to us right now. I mean, we're not. Let's not say we're like a huge podcast or anything, like that, but we've definitely grown a lot. We're getting stronger. We're getting deeper every week. And again, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, the same old spill we do every single week. If you want to find us, look down at the description below. You'll find all of our handles there. And with us today, we have writer and newest Showtime member, Alex Nodal. Or I'm sorry, Alex Knodal, right? <laughs> yep, that's right. How did I how did I butcher it after butchering <laughs> I mean, everybody gets it wrong. I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> All right, so wh- where can everybody find you at right now, Alex? Uh, what, what's your handles? Um, at Alex Knodal, except the L at the end is a one on Twitter. And then okay. uh, AP Knodal on Instagram. Woo. All right, so we're just going to put that in the description below as well, so you guys yep. can all check that out as well. Uh, but Alex was kind enough to join us today as we discuss few, uh, a few things that have popped up today, specifically the NCAA's ruling or the so-called Rich Paul rule that came out uh, recently, and uh, also Alex's debut article on the ShowtimeForum.com. So if you guys haven't actually had a chance to check out the ShowtimeForum.com, make sure you uh, get down there. Check out the article that Alex wrote. We have another article by uh, Felix, uh, I'm sorry, Philip Herrero, another new member of Showtime Forum. So make sure you guys check it out, dude. It's, it's pretty pretty good stuff. Um, Alex's story was actually very good. I mean, it had to do with, or actually, you know, why don't you tell people, Alex? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much about uh, how long LeBron and AD will fit together this year and kind of how they'll mesh uh, in terms of the Lakers offense and what that will kind of look like going forward and I think there's a lot of potential in that pairing. First of all, I mean, um, great job, man. I mean, I read through that article. is very detailed, used video footage, you know, to pretty much highlight everything you were trying to say. Uh, so really great job on that. One of the points you talked about is how the pick and roll is pretty much going to be the bread and butter for AD and LeBron this coming season. How do you envision that working? I know you talked also about uh, drop coverage as far as trying to defend that pick and roll. Uh, from other teams. If you could just tell us a little bit more of how you envisioned that working here throughout the season. Yeah, so I mean, for most of LeBron's career, everybody kind of knows you surround him with shooting, and uh, that generally leads to a successful offense. And so with LeBron and AD and that pick and roll, I mean, that's two of the guys who put like the most pressure on the rim in the entire league. So when you surround that with shooting, like where you can help from Danny Green, uh, KCP, Avery Bradley, like guys that can knock down wide open threes. And so when you're looking at the Lakers offense this season for teams that don't want to just switch that pick and roll, like they're going to have a lot of trouble guarding that because they're either going to give up a lob to Anthony Davis or LeBron's going to be able to get to the rim. Or if they send help, then they're leaving guys wide open in the perimeter. So what do you think is the best way to kind of counteract that? For mm-hmm. other teams? Yeah. For other teams. Yeah. I mean, ideally you'd have the personnel where you can switch 
uh, LeBron and AD, if you got two guys who are like big enough to stay in front of them on the perimeter and like battle in the post, if they mm-hmm. try to post you or like isolate against you, but it's tough, especially if you're playing AD at center, like there's not going to be that many guys that can guard him at center and like provide adequate rim protection for your team, but then also switch out and guard LeBron on the perimeter. But ideally you would want to be able to switch that. But if you can't, then you're kind of screwed. So yeah. Yeah, the one the one thing that stuck out to me was like the roll gravity you were talking about. Obviously, if people aren't familiar with B-ball indexes, uh, player ratings, roll gravity is obviously when when a player rolls out of the pick and roll, it's pretty much when he sucks in the defense, right? The space he right. creates in in order to yeah. play make, right? Um, yeah. With the roll gravity, dude, I, <laughs> I just is are there is there a, a scarier tandem when it comes to the roll gravity other than LeBron and and uh, and Anthony Davis? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think so because like. Anthony Davis probably the best lob finisher in the league. He's got a crazy wingspan, and he's already, like, seven feet tall, so he can get up there. And then LeBron's big enough that he can, like, get any pass off over defenders. Like, like smaller guys you can trap, like, even Steph Curry and, uh, like, Kyrie or something. You could trap, and, like, they're not going to be able to get passes off over guys. But with LeBron, you can just see over the defense. And then, like, they're both – him and AD are both so big that, like, it's really tough to stop that. For me, basically, I mean – What's interesting about that is just that is because LeBron last year, you know, if he's going to go ahead and roll to the basket, there's no, there wasn't really any shooters last season who he could give the ball to. So it clogged the paint a little bit more, it clogged the, the court in general a little bit more. Uh, one thing that was pretty funny is when you said picture Jonathan Williams, it was, you know, he was doing last <laughs> season. And now imagine Anthony Davis in that place, which is actually, you know, makes a lot of sense. I mean, LeBron's just going to have so much more to do. I mean, so many more options this time around just compared to last season on top of the fact like when you look at last year and lebron would he would be settling for like threes a lot it looks maybe like why why is he not being so aggressive but then like when you take a step back and you look who, who else is on the floor with him like ingram and lonzo and like josh hart was struggling with the shot in the second half of the season the defense was all just sucked in but now when you surround him and lebron ad with shooters uh you can't do that and he should be able to get to the rim like much more often this year but so what's what's to stop teams though from just kind of sagging off of him and not not and leaving pretty much leaving Anthony Davis or LeBron with those wide open threes? At this point, that's probably that's probably the go-to move, right? I mean, sitting down on those shooters uh, and just kind of sagging off of them and just letting them take those threes. At this point, that's 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 the only thing that I can really think would be the only, that'd be the option that I would go with at least. Yeah, and at some point, like LeBron and AD are just gonna have to sh- hit shots. Like if you're going under and leaving LeBron open, or if you're dropping a big and a pick and pop is available for Anthony Davis, he's got to make that shot or either take it to the basket and like play make out of that situation. But LeBron and AD are going to have to hit threes this season. They're going to have to hit threes. They're going to have to hit threes. They're going to have to hit a lot of things. I just, I, I, it's really going to come down to the shooting this season. And I just, I, like you were saying earlier about uh, LeBron taking all those long threes last season, those those were probably the biggest killers to me. And I, although he's improved with shooting, I don't know if he can hit that consistently enough to really have that defense overplay on the on the pick, I guess. And they're taking and they're forcing AD and they're forcing LBJ to to take those threes. Do you think they're going to be able to hit those consistently enough? If I mean, if it's not if it's not an Avery Bradley, if it's not a uh, Danny Green, if it's not a uh, a Quinn Cook. I mean, are Anthony Davis and LeBron going to be able to hit those consistently enough to kind of force teams to overplay on the pick? 
I think so. You've seen like Anthony Davis been working with lethal with lethal shooter this offseason. And I believe last year he was around 36 percent on catch and shoot three. So if you're able to get him pretty wide open on the perimeter because like a big lumbering center is not going to want to get out there. Um, He should be right. able to knock down enough of those. And if teams are like sagging off too much, there's other things the Lakers can do. So like if you're sagging off Anthony Davis a bunch in the paint, then he can go screen for Danny Green. And when Danny Green comes around that screen, Anthony Davis defender going to be in the paint and there's no one to guard Danny Green. So there's always ways to counter whatever the defense is trying to do to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the most important things, too, is when the three-pointer is not working, you got to attack the rim. This year, I hope we're much better at free-throw shooting because last season, <laughs> everything, you know, every time a Lakers stepped to the line, you knew it was going to be trouble, whether it's LeBron at the end of the game, whether it's anybody at the beginning of the game, you know, even KCP on a technical. You just couldn't trust anyone, man. That's that's an area we really need to improve this season. Yeah, the, the free-throw shooting is just, like, one of the most frustrating things, and especially for LeBron. Like, he... He's just so streaky on it. Some years he's up in the high 70s, and then last year he was like at 67. At this point, you're doing something he's kind of figured out by now. But well, another thing that um, that LeBron is is still trying to figure out is the uh, NCAA's new new rule they put in place, right? So on Monday, the NCAA actually issued a memo to, to agents outlining new certification requirements that uh, to represent players testing the NBA draft waters, right? So pretty much the NCAA has now made it to where if a player uh, wants to test the draft waters and then kind of, I guess, go back to back to college. They're only able to do that if their agent is certified, right? So they now they have to uh, go through this MBPA certification. They have to be well. They have, I'm sorry, they have to be certified for at least three years. Uh, they have to have a professional liability insurance, which isn't a big deal. Uh, they have to complete this in-person exam in Indianapolis, uh, which isn't a real big deal. But the biggest component of this, I think, is the fact that now they're requiring agents to go ahead and have a bachelor's degree, um, which kind of looks like they're specifically targeting a, a certain Rich Paul, right? Um, I know LeBron came out, and he, he specifically hashtagged this as the Rich Paul rule. I personally, I don't want to go with the whole, I, I don't want to say it's, it's a racist rule, but it definitely has a bit of a racial undertone to it. For me personally, it just comes down to profit, man. And, and and the biggest factor in this is the fact that Rich Paul uh, and Clutch are starting to drive that that profit stream that the NCAA is is trying so hard to keep. Completely disagree with the NCAA. I mean, the fact that you got I mean, Rich Paul has enough experience under his belt to do whatever he wants. I mean, um, you know, he even found a way around the system of the NCAA. What do you get, Darius Baisley, a one million dollar internship? at uh, New Balance, so he's able to make some income. I mean, and that's something that now the NCA is trying to, you know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense other than what you just said, is if it's not going to be profit for the NCA, if it's not going to be something that's going to work out for them, then it's not something that's going to interest them. I mean, Rich Paul and LeBron have been, you know, ruling the basketball world right now in the NBA. Uh, you know, they're transitioning now to the NCAA, and, and it looks like they want to put a stop to that. It's totally unfair, in my, uh, you know, in my view. Even if this doesn't impact rich paul in a major way it just impacts like agents in the future because now mm -hmm. it streamlines it where you gotta have enough money so you can go to college if you can be an agent and get certified by the mbpa you should be able to be an agent and now you have to do it like the traditional way and follow the ncaa's model whereas that kind of discriminates against people like rich paul who go like a more non-traditional route but are still very good agents <laughs> this kind of is just going to drop that that PPP, the player profit pipeline, right? 
years ago, the, you could tell that the, the NCAA was having a problem with players jumping straight from high school to the uh, NBA, right? Uh, they missed out on guys like KG. They missed out on guys like Kobe, uh, LeBron. Uh, so then they went and put that stupid um, one-and-done rule in. That, to me, didn't make sense back then. It still doesn't make sense to me now. I mean, if, if you're putting a rule in place that's saying, hey, we're, we want to make sure that these players are getting their education, then why place a rule that only allows you to go to school for one year? I mean, it, it, am I missing something? Is there a, a one-year degree that you can obtain? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, uh, you know, same thing. It's all about profit, man. If you have Zion going straight to the NBA – if you had, you know, Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons back in, you know, a couple of years back going straight to the NBA, nobody's going to watch, you know, the March Madness. Nobody, it's, the ratings are going to go way down. So they want to ensure that by keeping players that are going to be hyped while going to the NBA or before going to the NBA, that they keep them there for at least a year so they can keep that viewership. I'm going to be honest. I only watch, you know, college basketball when it's interesting, when there's somebody who I need to watch. This I didn't miss one Zion game. If he went straight to the <laughs> NBA, I probably wouldn't have watched much of R.J. Barrett, you know? So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, man, this just – it doesn't it doesn't make sense, man. And that, and that honestly is, I think – really what it boils down to with the whole Rich Paul thing. Did you guys have a chance to read um, this article that came out in Sports Illustrated? I believe it was in June or July. It was by SL Price, and it was it was pretty much talking about Rich Paul. I know LeBron had some tweets about it. He like highlighted some excerpts and stuff a few days ago, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there was a line in there specifically that made me think, wow, this is exactly why they put this rule in place, right? Uh, and it really uh, – give me a second here, and I'll pull it up for you right now. Yeah, he was pretty much talking about the fact that the the true issue nowadays with people's problem with Rich Paul isn't so much like the race issue. Uh, it's it's more the fact that he's different. You know, he he's different. LeBron's different. Clutch is different. Every all these things that are happening nowadays are all different. You know, and they're and they're causing a disturbance in the machine, right? The quote unquote the machine. There was a specific quote in here where he was sitting there talking about the fact that players nowadays they see through the bull. You know, they straight up see through the bullshit nowadays. You know, they don't they're not sitting here just going by the status quo. Rich Paul is all about player empowerment. He's all about trying to change that narrative. And there was a specific um, there was a specific quote in here. Give me a second. Um, so there was uh, there was a specific part where Draymond Green was talking about the fact that Rich Paul's uh, understanding. Well, I'll just quote it. So pretty much he says Rich Paul's understanding and really the priority that he makes for players to control their own destiny and for players to take advantage of that power that they have. That right there to me was like the antithesis of what, not the antithesis, I'm sorry, but the main reason why the NCAA had to do this. Yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, um, you know, pretty much what that is, is what you just mentioned. I mean, the word power is what stands out there. And, you know, the owners, uh, or I should say, uh, what, what are they? It's not owners anymore. It's uh, oh, sorry. The uh, the was the governors. Governors, yeah. Governors. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the governors, I suppose. Uh, now you know what they want to do is they want to have somebody under contract and you know have them play it out. But if you don't get somebody, you know, the talent to surround them, and they want to look for their own avenues to try to have more options for winning. For some reason, it's looked down upon. I mean, there are certain instances, for example, Kevin Durant joining a 73-win team, which nobody liked. Yeah. But the fact that Anthony Davis is requesting a trade to the Lakers to make sure that New Orleans gets something in return, not just leave them with anything, 
Um, you know, it, it's kind of looked down upon it. And especially because he's a Laker, it was kind of nitpicked, you know, by Steve Kerr as well. When Paul George just signed with a four-year deal and he <laughs> left after <laughs> first, I mean, not a peep from that, right? It's all good in Clipperland uh, for everybody. But if it's the Lakers, man, it seems like just nobody agrees with anything that we do on our end. And I know probably Alex over there shaking his head, feeling the same way about it. I get, like, why other teams and, like, are getting upset with the players doing this, but at the same time, it's a business, and these players are going to do uh, what they, like, the most that they can to maximize their earnings in their career. Like, they got maybe 10 years to do this, and so go get your money. Hire an agent like Rich Paul that's going to help you do that, so good for them. Yeah, think about it. If you're, if you're a young person of color, you live in the hood, you're trying to make it out, you know, the, the common story that we hear a lot, you know, the if you have a chance to make the NBA and you're like, hey, I, I need somebody who's going to represent me, who understands me, why would it not be Rich Paul? I mean, if, if you know anything about Rich Paul's background, he completely connects with these players, man. He comes from the same he comes from the same narrative, man. He comes from a family where his mom was gone for the majority of his life because of drug problems. Right. Dad died when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up having his mom come back into his life. He supported her through like her rehab, had her actually, I think, start like um, – like some sober living housing and stuff like that, and uh, until she passed away, and, and all that kind of stuff just ma- that connects w- that resonates with with young guys who are looking for that power for that for that power, you know? Exactly, that's what infuriates me, man. That nobody looks at the background of everything. Everybody just sees, oh, this guy's you know power hungry. He's only looking out for LeBron's best interests. He's only LeBron's friend. You know, LeBron's posse as you know Phil Jackson put it, and it's not fair because these guys have a background. They're hard workers. Rich Paul didn't need to become an agent. He could have just, you know, been chilling and, you know, living off of LeBron, just hanging out with him, living the good life. But, you know, he's putting in the work to make his own money, to build his own empire. And it's just not fair when people just categorize him, you know, and try to, you know, minimize what he's doing when he's actually putting in the hard work. And it's easy, too, especially when you're just associated with such a polarizing figure like LeBron. Because for the longest time, I used to say the same thing. Oh, Rich Paul, he's pretty much just riding LeBron's coattails and all that stuff, right? And as I've learned his story and I've kind of learned about what they're doing, I've seen it in a different light now. It's all about you, – you don't hear players complaining about this. You don't hear players complaining specifically about Rich Paul, right? It's, it's mostly it's coming from front offices. It's coming from the NCAA. It's coming from NBA officials. That's usually where the, where the narrative, where the uh, the complaints are coming from, right? right. And we kind of go back to the fact that the NCAA can go and, and, and put a rule like this in place, which I don't think is going to actually stay in place much longer. But they can do it because they can, because they wield that hammer. Uh, and if you go back to that Sports Illustrated article there's a part in there where rich paul actually says they don't like where he's sitting there talking about the fact that when you have that hammer you have to use it you know they don't they don't complain when it's on the opposite end you know they, nobody was complaining about anthony davis while he was sitting there buried in in uh in new orleans right for the past seven years but as soon as he says you know what this isn't to my liking and i want to do something different and i want to take charge of my career then all of a sudden everybody's in an uproar i, I just don't see like how this benefits ncaa that much yeah, you're keeping some more like fringe prospects in school. Number one guys who once you just completely declare for the draft that like, you can sign with whoever you want. But it's like guys who want to test the waters and stuff that will sign with the agent and then like go back to school that this kind of hurts, which I mean, that's like marginal benefits for the NCAA. And then they can, they're claiming like, oh, we're doing this to protect the players after after like all the scandals and stuff, which this doesn't like the difference between an agent with a bachelor's degree and not having one like that doesn't determine like how good they are as agents they're still going to be sleazy agents like with bachelor's degrees 
and, and the problem with this is the fact that they're trying to keep everything in their structure, right? So they want everything to flow their way. They want everything to stay inside their box, you know? And then when you have these guys, these characters uh, like Rich Paul, like LeBron, who sit there and constantly push that box and push those limits, you know, and now they're outside that tangent, you know, uh, this is where they kind of were, where they kind of lose control and where they start to kind of decide, okay, we need to do something, right? I mean, I don't think Rich Paul has really hurt LeBron. Is Rich Paul the first guy to kind of do the one-on-one deals? Is, is I don't think I've really seen that one-on-one deal other than with LeBron, right? I mean, LeBron's kind of unique in that, like, no matter what happens to him, he still, like, has enough leverage, like, he's still going to get paid. So, yeah, it hasn't been done very much before. The contracts used to be longer, so, like, dudes would sign, like, seven-year contracts and stuff. Yeah. But now LeBron's kind of been using the one plus one so that he has flexibility and to put pressure on the team to make sure they're still improving and not like, oh, we have you on, under contract, so like, what are you going to do? And those one plus ones have made LeBron an extra 50 plus million yeah. just doing it that way. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, uh, now that he's getting into the later stage of his career, now he just came to the Lakers and said, you know what, we're going to do a four-year deal. Um, but after this, you know, once it's expired, I, I think LeBron still has enough in the tank where he can play a couple extra years. So maybe we'll see the return of the one plus one here <laughs> pretty soon. Oh, man, I hope not. Man. <laughs> honestly, I, I, I can't stand the one plus one as a fan. <laughs> you're always on edge, man. You never know if you're going to have to go buy a new jersey pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like uh, David Griffin was just talking in that was a Sports Illustrated article about how much pressure that put on him in Cleveland with LeBron always on the one plus one. It's just they there was so much pressure to win and there was always that like potential for him to leave maybe that's why anthony davis won't commit just yet you know he wants to put the pressure to win well i don't, I don't think he really has any reason to commit you know i don't i i think unless something crazy happens this season and i can't imagine that it would get crazier than it did last season i don't see yeah. anthony davis walking away you know it's just gonna it's gonna have to be a complete like yeah. show in order for this to go down right or for it to not go down <laughs> Moving on from the Rich Paul story, which is getting a lot of people riled up right now. Another interesting tidbit that came out this week was Shaq. He came out with his all-time Laker lineup, which kind of got me thinking a little bit about. And well, let's kind of go back a little. In Shaq's Laker lineup, it was what? It was him supposedly playing the power forward next yeah, to. And yes, I'm playing power forward, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next to Kareem with with Magic running the point and LeBron and Kobe in there, right? So. You know, that's an amazing lineup. Yeah, I don't think anybody can beat that lineup. I, I was sitting there kind of just going through options in my head, and I'm like, I don't – I just – even if you kind of – if you can settle two through five, there's still the problem with, with Magic, you know, because there's no other point guard like him out there. He creates mismatches and all that. But anyway, kind of going back to my point, I was sitting there thinking, okay, this is obviously the all-time uh, – Shaq's all-time Laker lineup, right? So who would we say is the all-time Laker lineup of non – non-Mount Rushmore players, non-All-Star players, you know, those reserve-type guys, those glue guys that we've kind of fell in love with over the years. How would we kind of draw that up? If you had to take one guy, each position, and just kind of form a lineup, who would that be? How would that li- How would that look for you guys? Obviously, you got to start with Alex Caruso. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd probably go with Derek Fisher. Just comes up in the big moments. Good defender, shoots the ball. Go with Byron Scott at the two, Lamar Odom, Robert Ory, and then centers like a little tougher. You could maybe slide AC Green down there, Vladi Divac, something like that to round out your lineup. Wow, man, you're not going with Chris Mim or Slava Medvedenko? No. <laughs> I mean, you could if you want to. For me, it's you got to take DJ Banga. I mean, it's a <laughs> 
there you're, you're the ultimate. <laughs> no, it's a, I would say Fisher. I agree. You know, Fisher. You know, ultimate champion. Uh, you know, comes up big in clutch moments. Definitely defensively, he could slide right in for that charge as he used to so many times over the years. I would go with the uh, two guard Sasha. I think Sasha, the machine, could you know knock down a three. He could uh, definitely make a couple of free throws of the championships on the line. Ariza is somebody who I always just loved as a Laker. I think every Laker fan is just yeah. loving Ariza no matter what he does. We would always welcome him back. So Ariza uh, would be there for me. Uh, Lamar Odom goes without saying, Laker favorite. Um, you know, he's all the intangibles, all the skill in the world uh, that he had there with the Lakers. And then finally, I think, I, I believe he did reach an all-star game or two, yeah. but I would go with Andrew Bynum. As my center, that isn't necessarily somebody who's a superstar, but it was, you know, good enough for me to put on my list. And I, and I had actually Bynum on there as well. Just, and I, I know he made that All Star uh, team and whatnot, but he was always on that precipice of just like the next big thing, right? right? He just never, never happened. It never happened for him. But uh, I mean, rounding out my team, I think everybody's the consensus point guard is going to be D Fish, man. Who? I'm trying to think of a guy who might be more beloved than Derek Fisher as a Laker, right? And this yep. guy hit. A dozen shots in the most critical moments, maybe not at the end of a game, but, you know, down four with like a minute left, you know, against against the Magic in the finals. Who else is sitting there but, you know, Derek Fisher with that rainbow three-pointer, right? For me, Ariza was another guy, probably one of my all-time favorite Lakers with maybe. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom, I think would I would have him probably at the four just because he's that hybrid. He's that hybrid guy, but I think... For me, I'd have to have Shannon Brown at the two, man. Shannon Brown, dude, Bug Eye Brown is what I used to call him, man. Dude, this guy used to just have me jumping on couches, jumping over tables. Oh, man, I, I don't – he's super electrifying dunker. Just, I was really sad when we let him go, but, you know, yeah, I think that would have to round it out for me. Yeah, I think that's a good list, man. You know, Shannon Brown, somebody we usually forget about because he wasn't necessarily a huge part, but – Man, he was exciting. Those block, that one block, it should not have been a foul. We all still go back to that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that guy could jump out of the building, man. Definitely, that that's a good one right there, actually. Dude, we're not even throwing in the fact that I think is he. I believe he's still with Monica, right? The singer. I think so. I think he's still. Oh, yeah. yeah. Monica got me through puberty, I think, man. So big shout out to <laughs> Shannon Brown, bro. And now you got the full beard. <laughs> and now I got the look what you did to me. Look what you did. I think uh, it's it's really been a. A slow couple of weeks. Obviously, the media is doing their best to kind of create some stuff for us to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, how much good they're doing. I mean, we didn't even touch on the David Griffin stuff, which I thought was pretty silly. We definitely didn't touch on the, touch on the Jason Whitlock stuff from last week, which Oof. I don't even want to. I'm glad in. we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. All I want to say is I got two fingers up, and they're pointed in specific <laughs> direction. I'm not gonna tell you which fingers they are. Yeah. And with there that said, um, you know, just want to congratulate Alex again. That was a great article, man. Really in-depth, like I said. Looking forward to the next one. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Good good stuff, bro. Way to uh, raise that bar for uh, Philip. Philip's got something. To, <laughs> that, he's, you set that bar, huh? Yeah, yeah. We got only up from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the way to go. For those, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Philip, Philip is actually another uh, new member of Showtime Forum. He's another one of our writers, Philip Herrero. He actually has a pretty dope article on there as well on the ShowtimeForum.com, which you could check out. I believe it's called An Ode to Jared, Jared Dudley. Dudley. Or yeah. at least that's the way I read it. An Ode to Jared Dudley. <laughs> right? Yeah, Jared Dudley liked it so much himself, he retweeted it. So there that's you go. Right. That, that's right. He did retweet it, right? 
you know, Jared Dudley, bro, you got to stop creeping in the posts and our comments. You got to just have to jump on the podcast one of these days, right? So let's go ahead and wrap this up now. Make sure if you're not following us now, make sure you are. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. Obviously, now you can just, if you want to go to the center or the focal point of the Showtime Forum universe, now you'll go to showtimeforum.com. But that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to follow any of us, descriptions are down below again. Thanks again for Alex. We'll have Alex on again, of course. Uh, maybe we'll try to get Philip on here next week. Maybe we can do some kind of writer war in the future. <laughs> there you go. Hey, we'll have to get, we're going to have to get have these guys in here, throw them in a cage, and just see who comes out alive. <laughs> who right? comes out with the final paper just standing out. Exactly. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, as far as everything goes, uh, right now it is a little slow for, you know, Laker news, but we promise, we promise to show you lots of Laker workout videos on Showtime Forum, <laughs> so please follow us. We got, we got Team USA coming up. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, That's true. But uh, on that note, so I do want to mention that next week will be our final episode of the season. That's going to be episode 20. So we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go on hiatus, kind of revamp some things, change some things up for next season, come back better. So if you guys are interested in another t-shirt raffle, pay attention this week. We will drop another promotion for a t-shirt or two or three or five. I don't know. I don't know how how, how fat my pocket's going to be next week. But uh, just stay tuned. We're, we're going to have some, some pretty cool stuff this week for the final episode. So, you know, check us out. Again, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Anchor. Listen, review, share it with your friends. Do whatever you got to do. If you want Lakers content, you come here. Nowhere else. We're out.